Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's good, right? God is good. And all the time. Come on. We know how it goes. Before that we get started, um, something uncommon has taken place, and so I want to give just a moment for that to take place with uh, everyone's permission. My wife, typically, she's a great preacher. She preaches for us a lot, preaches other places a lot, but she typically doesn't have much to say. But God has laid something on her heart, and she's asked me if she could testify or speak and I said well I'm not really in control of things but if no one seems to have an objection I will uh, allow you to to say something so Joy if you would can I turn this on for her okay uh, come up here and, and uh, say whatever in your beautiful Tennessee <laughs> orange today say whatever it is that you good want morning to say. Monroe County I don't normally do this when we preach out he preaches I sit back there and do my job but God's been dealing with me the last couple nights on um, giving up. I have a motto. I actually have two. You ask my church, those who are real close to me say my first motto is stupid ought to be shot. But that doesn't want to apply here this morning. Second one is never. Um, go back to what? Go back to what? In times in my life that I've been through a lot of things. And um, you always think about going back to what was easy. God told me one day, he said, go back to what? Go back and look at the back of your life and tell me what you want to go back to. You have to understand, I've never been drunk, never been high. I've known one man in my life. So you can't say I'm a typical sinner, okay? But there is such thing as depression, suicide, Loneliness. So when you get to the place in your life, you go through hard things, and the devil says, just give up. Go back to the way things used to be. Stop sometimes and think, go back to what? Many times that phrase has carried me through. I watched my husband lose 70 pounds in two months. Couldn't swallow, couldn't eat. The devil said, go back. Take him to the doctor, just go back to do, go back to doing what was good at the time. And I'm thinking, go back to what? God is my peace. God is my comfort. And God told me, there are people here, they get up and they shout and they praise God, but every day they go home and say, I'm giving up. I'm not going back to church no more. I'm not serving God no more. I ask you, stop and ask yourself when that time comes, go back to what? Suicidal thoughts, depression, loneliness, sleeplessness. So this morning, when you get in that place, you feel like God's not moving. You don't want to come to church. You don't want to pray. You don't want to read. Go back to what? And let God show you what you can go back to. We have, uh, we've seen our shares of ups and downs, and uh, all of us have. We're not alone. Probably there's no one that's been through more than anyone else if you get all the way down to it. And certainly, 
Uh, we talked about Job the other night just a little while, and he certainly had more than his share. But when you're going through it, no one's been lower than you. You know, when it's your problem, when it's your trouble, when it's your struggle. Um, when I had uh, a particular problem that I had here several years ago, um, you know, and um, you're used to being uh, one thing all of your life and you're preaching the Word of God, and uh, you need to learn and understand that if you're a child of God, you're a target. Uh, there is an enemy out there that wants to stop you, and no matter who you are and what you are, and especially if God has a call on your life or uh, the Lord wants to use you, He's going to do some things for you uh, that's going to be, that's going to impact the world, but that you're going to be a target. And the enemy is going to come after you to shut you up to, um, you know, he has two goals. One, to get you to quit living for Jesus here and just give up, or two, to take you out. Either way, you cease being effective for God in the kingdom, and so he stops at nothing to try to do that for you. So, uh, you know, we all can, can tell our stories, and, and um, they are miracles. If God's brought you through them, they're miracles. They're, they're wonderful miracles of life and, and their testimonies. We know that King David, when he was facing one of the biggest uh, tragedies in his life, uh, one of the greatest preaching opportunities we have is to talk about how that David encouraged himself in the Lord, and he went back and began to rehearse in his heart and in his life all the things that God had brought him through. Uh, but what we have to understand uh, is that we judge things. You know, you know, we have a, a terrible problem as people. We judge sin. Like, you know, uh, uh, murder is worse than lying. And, uh, you know, adultery is worse than, you know, cheating on a school test or whatever. Uh, but in reality, to God, sin is sin. It doesn't make any difference whether it's lying, cheating, adultery, homosexuality, whatever that is. We do the same thing with, with, with trials. We do the same thing with tests. I want you to know, and, and, and I need to say this because you have to understand it, to God, cancer is no different than a cold. They both begin with C. Left unchecked, they can both kill you. The sickness comes into your body, it's there for one reason. Dad Hagen used to tell people, if sickness is in your body, if a cold comes upon you, it's there to kill you and destroy your life. There's over 100,000 people a year in the United States of America alone that die from the common cold. No other complication. Someone says, oh, it's got a cold. It's no big deal. I'll take some, you know, some sinus pills and take a Tylenol or whatever. But you have to understand that if sickness at all comes upon your body, it's there to kill you. And it can if something's not done about it, whether medicine is administered or faith is in operation and healing takes place. So we judge sickness. and We take a look at somebody that, you know, is, uh, has... Uh, heart problems that the doctors say they can't help and there's no transplant for them or whatever the situation is. We look at someone that has cancer and we, we look at them different as someone that has a cold. But to God, there is no difference. To Him it is a word. To Him it is a thought. To Him it is a touch. And, and it's done. It's over with. And so what we have to do is stop seeing things bigger than God. We have, you know, we, we've learned that with sin, haven't we? Everybody's grace. You know, we're there. We're, we're right on top of it. We see God bigger than all sin. But do you know that God is bigger than all sickness? Except when we look at it, that sickness looks bigger than God. When we change our viewpoint to say, God, you got this, just like we do when a cold comes on us. No, ain't no one gets up in the morning, has a cold, worries about dying. You don't get up in the morning with a backache worrying about dying. 
You just go take a Tylenol or an Advil, or if, you know, your friend or neighbor's got you an Oxycontin, you bum one of them off them and, you know, take it for whatever. You know, just go take what you need to get over it, and you go on with it. I'm not making light of anything. As a matter of fact, I'm being very serious about the things that are here. But our viewpoint makes all the difference in the world because Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believe it. The problem is that I look at it and some, you know, some, honey, I, I just don't, I, I think I got a cold. Not, I think, oh, you're going to die. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't go into crisis mode. Yeah, but you don't understand. You don't, yeah, 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 I do understand. I understand completely. But how you view it is how big God will be in your life. When you can look at God the same way you look at sin and say, I'm not even worried about sin no more. I can repent, go on past it, whatever His grace has got it. When you can look at that sickness and say, I refuse to let you move me. God's got this. And you want to come over top of it. Back in uh, 2007, I was walking along every day of my life just like I always am. And I was, I was fat. And uh, I weighed about uh, 360 pounds. Uh, maybe, well, actually, I'm, I'm lying. I used to tell people I weighed 360 pounds, but Tim, I weighed about 370 pounds. I was about to the place. I was going to have to get them to make me a double-knit pair of bibbed overalls because the only thing that would cover this, this belly. And as soon as they had developed a set of bibbed overalls that you wear a necktie with or a bow tie with, I was going to start wearing that to church. You know what I'm saying? I was, I was that big. I was that fat. I was that heavy. And, uh, but I, I didn't show it. I didn't look like, you know, Jabba the Hud or anything like that. Uh, I carried my weight well. I'm, oh, I have always been six foot two inches tall, at least since I've been born anyhow. Right about that. And my mom's four foot eleven, so you can see what kind of trouble she had in, in labor. Uh, but I've always been about six foot two inches tall, and I've weighed, you know, uh, when, I was, uh, when I went into the service, I weighed about 212 pounds. They skinned me down to about 170. I hated them every day of my life for that because I felt like I was little and weak and skinny and all that kind of thing. And uh, for a long, long period of my life, I never could, you know, gain any weight. I just, you know, you know went around like 175, 180 pounds and felt like the eternal weakling and stuff like that. You know, I did. I had a real bad, you know, image. And so I'd fight people to prove I was mean. And I'd either bust somebody up or get busted up. But, you know, I was wiry. You know what I'm saying? I was just skinny. And, and uh, then, you know, life happens. And, you know, I got married. And, and my wife is a great cook. And uh, all of a sudden, I started putting weight on. And so, you know, I got up around 200, 225. 230, 235, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I'll stop right there, but it was right in that area, and I hung out there, and, and I always, at that point, uh, worked at a, a sophisticated indoor sawmill for about 14 years while I was bivocational, and I was preaching the gospel, and I was a full-time evangelist, and I was a bivocational pastor, and I did all kinds of different things, and uh, I always prided myself on being a big guy. Got hurt a couple times at work. They put you on steroids and fantastic mind-altering drugs and different things that are out there. And all of a sudden, I found myself ballooning up, and, and I got up to the place where I weighed about 370 pounds. And I was a, a, a much larger person than I am now, but I never really looked fat. I always carried my weight very well, and I never lost my strength. I could get out and run 10 miles at 370 pounds. If that's what I had to do, didn't bother me at all. Worked every day of my life throwing wood around for a living throwing trees around, doing all kinds of things for a living. Uh, 
never did let it bother me. I decided that I would, uh, would lose weight. And so Joy and I were going to lose weight together. I was going to somehow take this 370 pounds down to uh, a manageable weight. And because I was tired of carrying it around, I'd been hurt. It was very difficult on my back. I had about, you know, seven or eight different surgeries on my back. Had all kind of things going on. They got to the place. They told me, if you don't do something about this, you're probably going to lose the ability to walk. I said, you're crazy. I'm strong. I can do anything I want to do. I can beat you down, whatever. You're a little skinny doctor. You can't tell me what to do, blah, blah, blah. All the, and that was my attitude. That's how I felt, even as a man of God. And I can remember telling people, fat, uh, you know, skinny men can't preach. I'd tell them that. You want to be a good preacher, you've got to be a fat man. You've got to be a great big fat man. You've got to be able to sweat and spit. You've got to be able to spit for about four pews back. And you've got to be, be able to sweat and sling sweat over people. Because I said, I ain't never seen a, a skinny man that could preach. Never seen a fat man that, that couldn't. And I told him that kind of stuff, you know. And what it really was was a, a throw-off because I knew I, was, I knew I was heavy. When you've walked out in front of people, you know, and you're, you know, all this. And, but I was about as a big guy. And so we decided we were going to lose weight. So we bought a membership to the gym. I don't know if you've any, any of y'all ever did that or not. We bought a membership to the gym, and we uh, started going to do it. And I, uh, when I weighed 370 pounds, I had a lot of problems with acid reflux. I had sleep apnea. I had all kind. I had everything you could possibly imagine. I, I could not lay down flat to go to sleep, or my stomach would empty into my mouth. I would almost choke to death on it at night, in the middle of the night. I, I couldn't breathe. There were all kind of things going on. And so I finally decided, you know, the doctors, I went to the doctors, and they just gave me more steroids and more this, more that. And you just, every time they do that, you just get fatter and fatter. And I thought, well, you know, uh, this ain't helping, so I decided we'll just, we'll just lose weight. We'll just we'll lose weight. And so we bought a membership at the gym, and we were down at the gym working out, and I got on a, a particular machine, and I bent over backwards. When I bent over backwards on this machine, working this particular machine, I, I saw this huge lump come up in my stomach. And every time I saw that, and I, I cannot explain to you what happened, but fear came into my life in a way that I've never, ever imagined in, in, in all of my life. I had just lost my dad, and, and he went through a horrible, horrible sickness. Uh, they could not find anything wrong with him the day that he left this earth, and we could not get him back. They said there was no medical reason for him to die, but he wasted right in front of me, right in front of everybody, absolute, to absolutely nothing. And uh, you know, in spite of all the prayer and everything that we could do, we were not able to win that battle. And, um, to be completely honest with you, we could have, but my dad gave up. He said, I don't want to live no more. I just want to go home. And so when someone decides that there's not a thing you can do about it, because your will means everything about it. And so I had come through all of that and, you know, preaching the gospel, seeing the sick healed and the dead raised and the lost saved and all that. But I saw that thing come up and, and fear began to, to hit me. And the devil said, well, you know, all that acid reflux you had and all this, you know, it's, it's cancer. You've got cancer. There's something going on there, blah, 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 blah. And, I went into a very, very dark place uh, in my life, even as a man of God. I never quit preaching the gospel. I never stopped seeing miracles. I never stopped seeing people get saved. I never seen that, but I began a very, very dark place. And all of a sudden, I began to, uh, to lose weight very, very rapidly uh, for no, no explainable reason. My body began to waste, and, and I began to shed. And at one period in time, I lost over 70 pounds. It was actually about 76 pounds in in uh, just under two months' time. Uh, and I wanted to go to the doctor, but I was afraid to go to the doctor. And uh, so I prayed and I prayed. I became weaker until the point that I almost couldn't make it. Joy would 
help me get to church in the morning. I would crawl into my office and I would lay there on the chair and uh, on the desk until time to preach. And uh, if someone came to the door, I'd sit up and act like everything was okay. And people were trying to be kind, but when you're wearing, uh, when you're 376 pounds and you're wearing, you know, a suit this big and all of a sudden you've lost 70 or 80 pounds and that suit can wrap around you twice and people are saying, my bishop, you've lost a lot of weight. And every time that they would say that, they were trying to comfort me or make me feel like, you know, that I was losing weight because they knew I'd bought a gym membership. They thought I was doing a dynamic job, but they didn't know that every time they said that, that was absolutely destroying my faith. There's something that I can't get past here. There's a prayer that I can't get answered. I'm wasting away. I was sick. I could not eat. It got so bad uh, that the weight began to come off me so rapidly that you almost couldn't buy clothes small enough, quick enough to get into them to make it worth the price to do it. And I got to the place where I could not eat. I could not swallow food. I could not get anything to go down. And so I had decided that I was going to, uh, to finally go see if I could get some help. And as I was praying, Jesus Christ came to me in, in as real a way as I've ever heard him come before. And he said, don't go to the doctor. He said, because if you go to the doctor, your faith cannot bear what he's going to tell you. Your faith is not strong enough to hear what he's going to tell you. And I said, then God, what am I going to do? Because I've been praying and it seems like that you're not doing what I need you to do. And now you're telling me that if I go to the doctor, what he's going to tell me is that my, my faith is not strong enough to bear what they're going to say. So... The only thing that I did was continue to pray and believe God. I uh, got in the prayer line. I, I had a few coveted people that knew how to pray, and I told them, you know, I need you to pray for me. I, I would never confess there was anything wrong with my body because I never had a diagnosis. The only thing that I know was going on is my body was wasting in front of me, which I just saw my dad die of, and uh, I saw all kinds of different things going on. But I can tell you the night that Jesus Christ came into my church and he came into my life, and I don't know why it was that night. I don't know why it was in unlike any other night that was there when Jesus Christ came in even after he told me and I said well God if you're telling me my faith is not strong enough to bear what they're going to say then, then the only thing I have to depend on is you and it looks like I'm dependent on you and it looks like it's not happening you know because here I am the way that it is there are times that the enemy would still like to make you you know lose weight or look at things I'm not telling you that I am struggle free with everything but I can eat well and I can swallow again, and I have to be very careful because if I'm not careful, I can go the other way with my weight. It will now go back up. I can tell you that whatever was in my stomach, I don't think it was actually anything there. I think it was fear, uh, fear manifesting and becoming real. Fear will manifest and become real in your life when there's absolutely nothing there. I know that people think that a spirit cannot kill you, but I'm here to tell you that there are spirits that have the power to take your life. If Jesus came, we might have life and have it more abundantly than Satan kills, steals, and destroys. He kills. He can kill your life. I don't care that you belong to God. I know that theologically they may, that may not be sound, but I've lived a different experience. I've seen it happen, and I'm seeing other people happen. I'm seeing it happen all the time in people's lives. The only thing that you can do when you come to this wall is to get down to business with Jesus. I heard Miss Charity say that she's in the secret place. That's where she's going to stay. That's where you've got to get. Because I can tell you right here and right now, you can go seek all the help that you can get. But there is a time where they can tell you there's absolutely nothing that I can do. But that does not stop God. So I'd crawl to church. I would lay in the back. I would find myself way up front. And I, I went from a preacher that moved around a lot, walked a lot, to a preacher that stood right behind the desk. And I had to stand behind the desk because if I didn't stand behind the desk, I couldn't stand up. 
And I told God, I said, this one thing that I have determined in my life, you called me to preach the gospel. For all these years I have preached it, and I refuse to let sickness or disease or any other kind of thing take me away from preaching the gospel. I will stand here. If you're going to take me up, take me standing up behind the desk because I ain't going no other way. It's the one thing in my life that I still do and do well. That wasn't bold, it wasn't boisterous, but it became a determined place in faith. I said, I've seen the dead raised. I've seen cancer fall off on the floor. I've seen people spit it up. I've seen it come out their backside. I've seen the doctor say, I don't know how it's gone. Don't know where it went, but it's gone. I've seen God give people brand new hearts. I watched God grow a brand new spleen for a young lady right in front of the doctors. I've seen, while they had the machine on her, God grew a brand new spleen in front of them. I've seen God do everything. Listen, there's nothing that God can't do. But there are times that you come to a place that you're fighting the devil of great power. And your faith may not be engaged to the point that you can deal with it. And thank God if you have friends that can help you. But there comes a time and a place in your life that you have to plant your feet and say, By God, I'm not moving. No, that's not a West Virginia cuss word. I'm telling you that there comes a time and a place where you've got to say this is what I'm going to do. So I remember standing up and saying, God, I'm, you know, I kind of felt like Job. Though he slay me, yet will I serve him. I'm not going to move away from it. I'm going to stand there. Sometimes you've got to get tenacious with your faith. There has to be a tenacity in you that says, I won't go down. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to go down. I'm not going to go under. I'm going to go through here. I'm not going to do it. You've got to dig in. When someone digs in like that, you better dig in with them. You better stand there because that's what I had a few people do. So I remember the night that Jesus came in, and I don't different about that night. I don't know why he chose to do it then. don't know why he had to go through all the different things we did. Don't understand all the things that were there, but I remember when he came into the church, he didn't say a word to me that night. I just felt him touch me. When he touched me, I felt him put his hand right through my stomach. I don't think there was ever anything there, but he had to convince me that he had taken something out that wasn't there so I could believe that he had healed me. Sometimes God has to use reverse psychology like you do on a small child. It'll only work for about a year. Then they get smart enough to know that it ain't what you're telling them, so you might as well just wise up and teach them the truth. But anyways, God will do whatever it takes to get you where he can get you to a place that you will believe him and you will accept what he's able to do. There is nothing that God cannot do. There is nothing that God will not do. There is nothing that he will not do for you. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. I don't care how it looks. I don't care how it smells. I don't care how it feels. I don't care what's going on. I don't care what words you get. And you need to remember this. The devil does not play fair. He loves to find you at your weakest and then come in and lie to you. He will cause your mate to say to you things that they don't even mean right in the middle of your worst trial and, and testimony. He'll cause your children to act up. He'll cause your dog to bite you. That's been a loyal dog for the last 20 years. You had it, and you come home, and it ain't got no teeth no more. It's old, but it'll bite you and growl at you just because the devil got hold of it to make you mad, cause you to be defeated or discouraged. This is a war that we are in. This is the war that we're in. And there comes a time and a place where you're either going to lay down and let the devil continue to walk over top or you're going to stand up and say, I am going to, I'm going to stand here. I'm not going to move. I refuse to let the enemy take me any farther. I'm not going to back up. I'm not going to move out of the way, but I'm going to stand right here. I'm going to be still and know that he is God. I'm going to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I'm not going to move away from it no more. So I can tell you this. God has the ability even though you think it's been too long to walk in and touch you how you need touch, deliver you how you need delivered, and cause your life to be saved. If you will 
fix your heart. You will fix your mind on him. And you will take him at his word. When you will change your viewpoint. It is not God that needs to change his viewpoint. It is not God that does not hear. He said he hears and answers every prayer. Yet we tell him you've not heard me. God said I will come to you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will be with you always even unto the end of the world. And yet when we get in these places we say God you ain't hearing me. God you're not seeing me. If you are hearing me, you're not doing what I want you to do. It is us that begins to get a viewpoint that says God's not God. Because when you tell God He's not hearing you, you're telling Him He's not God. When you tell God He's not moving fast enough, you're telling Him that you know more than He does. When you say, God, why? Listen, I'm being straight because I've been in these places. It is not my opportunity. It is not my privilege to tell God who He is not. Or what he is not doing. It is my job to take the revealed word that he has given us right here in 66 books. And find out what he said and stand on that regardless of how it looks, how it feels, how it tastes, how it smells. And when he's done doing what he wants to do, stand and say, thy will be done, O Lord. That's what we have to do. And if we're going to win, that's what we better do. I said all that because Mr. Crabb just sung to us that he never promised that the cross would not get heavy. The hill would not be hard to climb. He never promised victories without fighting. As a matter of fact, you can't call it victory unless there's been a war. Huh? So you and I must change our viewpoint. How do you see it? Do you see it bigger than God? Must be, because he ain't doing nothing about it. No, God is bigger still. Right? He's done greater. And he can do it. It seems cold to look at somebody who is in crisis and tell them your problem is that your God's not big enough. Sometimes you need to grab a hold of somebody spiritually and wake them up and shake them and say, Listen, God is bigger. God doesn't see this like you see it. Well, then he better get on the stick. Well, be careful. Be careful that you don't transfer from asking God to telling God. Because he is still God. Amen? So that's where we're standing. That's where we're uh, believing God. And, and we're not going to move from that. Now, I'm going to... Uh, there's nothing I want to see more than what we won't need. And I'm determined we're going to see it. Amen. This is service 20. Tonight will be service 21. I've had the privilege thus far of ministering in some capacity in 14 of those 21 services. Probably tomorrow morning we will pack up and go back to Ohio because in this month of, September, of, of August... We've been home about five days out of the 31 days. There is 31 days in this month, right? I'm not sure. I didn't look at the calendar. We have a church that would like to see us more than on occasion. We have family that would love to see us, and I want to see them. But I need you to know that the revival is just starting, and it's going to go on. 
God willing, we'll get a privilege to come back very shortly and, and continue to minister in different ways. But I want you to know whoever's standing behind this desk, whoever God puts up for whatever night service or day service that it is, the revival's going to go on. And God's going to give you miracles, signs, and wonders. And the ones that are in front of you that are so dear and so near cannot compare to the things that God is going to do in number. I know that what you need is the most important thing to you. And God's going to give you that. He will not hold it. He said He wouldn't hold back any good gift from you. Why would He not want to give it to you? Change your viewpoint. Reach down on the inside of you to the deepest part you can find and get a hold of Jesus there and pull yourself up and change your viewpoint. Because that's going to make the difference. If you see God bigger, if you see God able, He'll prove it. That's not hard to do. Because He said He'd help you. Amen? He'll help us. So, it has been a privilege thus far, and I appreciate your pastors more than you will ever know. They are my friends. Uh, I don't have a lot of those. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I don't have a lot of those. In ministry, you don't have a lot of friends. You don't. But your pastors are friends of mine, and because they've been so open, uh, Pastor Bill and Miss Kim, uh, to allow us such access to the folks of this church, we've made many friends in this church, and uh, had an opportunity in the last couple of weeks to get close to a lot of people. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I've had my lunch bought for me. Didn't ask for it. I've had the privilege of sitting down and eating with folks and getting to know with them and, and talk with them and build greater relationships. And uh, I've been treated very well. I, I can tell you that uh, uh, last week I gained three pounds while I was here. This week, I, I won't go home and get on the scale just because I dare not do it, but I'd say I've probably gained another two or three pounds. I, this I can tell because when I put my clothes on, they tell on you, okay, uh, that is there. But you know what? We, if you've ever been where I've been, you shout when you gain a little weight. Thank you, Lord. You know what I mean? <laughs> so anyways, we're, we're good with that, and uh, we've had an opportunity to, uh, to, to go uh, I, I, you know, if I start, I'll miss somebody. I don't want to miss anybody, but we've been fed very well. We've been taken good care of, and it's just a privilege to stand here. Circumstances are not as we would have them to be, but they will be as we Amen. would have them to be shortly. Amen? Amen? And so it's an honor and a privilege to stand here and to be part of everything that is going on here and uh, to know that God is about to do greater than we've seen. Uh, or understand this this is so big that I've been trying to see the end of it and I can't see the end of it. it it's just it's as big as God and so I say pour it out on us Lord go ahead and do that and so it's an honor to be here and and uh, we're going to we're going to go home probably for a little while tomorrow morning and and um, and then uh, see us how quick God will let us come back we do have a, a small trip to Guatemala that we have to make and we have a previous commitment there that's going to be in about three weeks and uh, so I may be back between now and then, uh, if I can find my way here, I'm going to be here just to come. And, and I'm not, I mean, not coming to stand in front. I'll just come sitting back and just watch what God's doing. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that's what we're planning to do. We're going to go take care of that. And then we're going to, I, I just know that this thing is going to go. If, if, if the heart of this people, you don't even need everybody. Just the core of this people will stay fixated on the revival. You're going to see miracle signs and wonders of biblical, uh, biblical proportion. 
if you'll stand on top of it because God has promised. And He'll give us all these other things that we need and they're not light. So we praise God for the, the privilege and opportunity. I, I have felt His Spirit in a mighty way and, and I still know that God has many things to say to us this morning and tonight. And I know that the day is ahead of us. I know that there are things to be done. But sometimes we miss what God's trying to say. God has already said what He's going to say. He's already said what He's going to say this morning. Now, what you do with it, that's, uh, that's up to you. Um, God doesn't have to be like me, long-winded. He doesn't have to take hours and hours to get His point across. He said what He means, and He means what He says. Do you believe it? That was a pitiful yes, was it not? I mean, that sounded like Sister Marie, when she was testifying this morning, I thought if she gets any more excited about to have her lunch platform, blah, 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 I'm drone along. And I thought, surely she's more excited than that. And I realized probably she's tired, everything like that. But that was a pitiful yes. I said, do you believe it? Yes. That's much better. Now, it is coming uh, football season, so you need to get your cheering in line, in order. Say yes when you mean yes. Say it with gusto. Say it with drive. Depending on how it is, say it with venom, a little poison. You know what I'm saying? Get it out there. Uh, God is looking for people that believe Him sincerely. Well, I don't know, God, whether, yes, God can do it. He's, he's able to do anything. So uh, you're a part of this thing. I told you last night you volunteered for it. <laughs> and uh, then Miss Casey gets up here and says, God's going to come in and do it whether or not you volunteered. It's kind of like when I was growing up, Dad would say, you know, you can take the trash out without me telling you. Or you can take the trash out after I've told you. But if the trash don't get out, I'm going to bust your hind in. So whether you volunteer to take the trash out or get it with a beating because you missed it, it's going to be entirely up to you. Sometimes that's how dad has to get. Then after you know that trash runs every Wednesday, there's no need to tell you every Tuesday that the trash better get out. Is that right? Anybody got a Bible in their lap today? What's God told you? I don't know. What do you mean? What do you want? What answer are you looking for? It's no trick. There's no question. You've got the Bible in your hands of everything that God has told you. Now, He expects you to remember it. He expects you to remember before the trash piles up. Right? He expects you to remember it. The problem is we can't seem to find the promise. I know the Bible says that. I know it, but, but, but no, there's no buts. Did he say it? Is it there? Is it to you? Are you a child of God? Are you saved? Do you belong to him? Are you standing under grace? Yes, I'm not sure. Do it a little harder and maybe something in there will rattle to let us all know that you have acknowledged it. Do you believe the word of God? He's spoken to us today already. Let me read a little scripture to you. And uh, I promise it'll only take about 10 minutes. I've been given no time limits. And it wouldn't do any good because I wouldn't observe them anyhow. Know what I mean? But I do try to be as, as, as kind as I can be. Um, I was going to read to you something 
What time do I have here? Thank you, Jesus, for good eyesight as well. Okay. If you give me 10 minutes, I give you the Word of God on top of what you've already got. Can you give me 10 minutes? Nine now, because I just talked a minute of it, right? All right. Anybody got plans for today? Plans? No, you don't. All right. Genesis chapter 3. I want to read the Word of God to you just very quickly. And, uh, and, and, and I, want to, I want to call your attention uh, back to a point that I made just a few minutes ago that the devil doesn't fight fair. And when you cannot hear Jesus, you will hear the devil. You need to listen to me. When you say that you can't hear God, God's not saying anything to you, then that means that the devil's speaking louder in your ears than Jesus. Because you're hearing plenty of negative. You're hearing plenty of defeat. Oh, the problem's not you're not hearing. You're hearing plenty of negative, plenty of defeat. Yeah, but the devil comes with the evidence to back it up. And God doesn't. And God doesn't. What evidence do I have? Well, the devil has circumstances and situations, but God's given you evidence right here that you can carry in your hand every day. Yeah, but the devil's showing me sickness. Yeah, but God's given me the word says it's not there. The devil's showing me sin and wickedness and defeat. Yeah, but God's giving you a word. You can carry in your hand right there every day. That's evidence right there, backed up. This is what the word of God says. It's not there. Then a victory of your life no more. The problem is that we let go of this and take hold of whatever negative the devil's showing us. And we believe that we hear that well. You don't ever have to accuse the devil of not answering prayer because he answers prayer regularly. Matter of fact, he'll talk to you when you ain't talked to him. My question is, why in the world are we even talking to him? Why do we listen to him? Well, because it seems so real. Yeah, this is not real. Is this real? How real is that? Take hold of that. No, it's my Bible. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. I only have six minutes now, thank you. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Wow. You shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now see, I thought that man and woman, I thought they were already made in the image of God. I thought they were already like God. Yet the devil says, now God's told you a lie. God's not, my word's more real. The reason God doesn't want you to do this is because if you do it, here's the lie, you'll be like him. Well, I thought I was made like him. The devil just takes God's own word and twists it around and calls it. So verse 6, So when the woman saw the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took the fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband who was with her and he ate. Yeah, it's Eve's fault, but Adam was right there the whole time. The Bible says her husband was with her. This is what I fixed for supper and you're going to eat it. 
And if you don't want hell right here on this earth, you take it and you eat it right now because this is what I slaved over the stove and made all day long, eat it. And he just stuck his tail right between his legs and cowered down like a gunshot shy coon dog and ate what she fixed up for him. But they're about to get in trouble. The eyes of both them were opened and they knew that they were naked. <laughs> and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord or God's voice walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, uh, from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said unto him, Where are you? So Adam said, or he said unto him, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Verse 11 says, and he said, Who told you that you were naked? I'm going to stop right there. Who told you you were naked? There's not enough time in the three minutes I have left to even begin to cover that little tiny piece of Scripture and all of the lies and the errors that are in there. You take them apart one by one and stupidity it just exudes from these folk in the garden. But it comes down to who you're going to believe. It comes down to whose voice are you going to hear. What we do is we usually listen to the voice that speaks to us the loudest and the last. She needs to understand something about God. If God's told you something, he sees no need to repeat himself. God told you I saved you, and I have to tell you every day that you're saved. If God told you he's going to heal you your sickness, he doesn't need to come to you every day, no matter what's going on, and tell you you're healed, you're healed, you're healed. He expects you to take hold of that word and what he said, and regardless of whatever comes about, no matter what it is, to believe what he said. Why didn't God come down and intervene when he saw what the devil was doing? God, listen, God wasn't hid up in heaven and knew that the devil was, didn't know the devil was down there talking to them. God knew exactly where the serpent was in the garden. He knew what he was going to do. But he trusted that Adam and Eve had enough sense to believe the last thing he told them. But what we do is we listen to whoever's speaking loudest and whoever's speaking last. And when we get all the way down to the place where Adam is hid from God and he and Eve are, you know, wearing fig leaves and, you know, covered up looking like Tarzan and Jane out in the garden of God. God calls him out and says, Adam, where are you? Adam answers and... He said, you know, I was afraid. I found out I was naked. Like God didn't make it. You think God didn't know he was naked? You think God didn't make every little part, whatever his problem was? And you're going to look at the creator that made you and say, oh my God, I, I found out I was naked. He made it. Everything. Adam said, I discovered that I was naked. And God said his whole answer, God's whole answer was a question. He said, who told you that you were naked? He didn't ask him, did you eat of the fruit of the tree first? He didn't ask him what he'd done. He said, who talked to you? The results, eating the fruit of the tree, the things that they had done, God didn't even question them about. He already knew that. His question was, now listen to this, his question was, 
Who told you? But you know what the bigger question is? That why did you listen to the one that was talking to you over top of me? If you're lost today, if you got sin in your life today, what has God told you in the Word by Jesus Christ? Don't call on me. Don't call on me. What has the Word said about your sin and my sin and everybody's sin under the new covenant, under Jesus Christ, under the cross, the crucifixion, and the resurrection? What's He said? We're forgiven. Have you taken hold of that? Let's, let's be old time Pentecost. How many people saved in here today? Just give me an idea about the altar call here in a minute. Go ahead. Lead yourself into it. All right. If you're saved and you know it, then your face ought to show it. Huh? Come on, you know what I'm saying? Boy, Bishop, you're a minute over. Someone's already hollering. Bishop, you're a minute over. Shut up right now. We already know where you're going. I want you to know that if you belong to Jesus Christ today, what God has said about sin, and, and even if you fall down and, and do that that you ought not to do, what has God said about sin? You're forgiven. It's covered. Ain't nothing there. You got to get up, get past it, go on, move, live righteous, do all that. But God said, now listen, the devil's going to come to you and say, you ain't right, you ain't saved, you're condemned. And so we crawl up into the presence of God, mournful and moanful. And God looks at us and said, who have you been talking to? Well, but God, I did this, God, I did that. That's good. I'm glad you tell me all about that. But, you know, uh, what, I'm not, I don't have a problem with your repentance. I have a problem with your condemnation. You're not condemned. We believe, I believe that, Bishop. Hallelujah. Yes, bless God. Well, okay. What's God told you about sickness? What's that? Say that louder. Just only one person, only one, one person reading the Bible right here. What is it that he said? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Well, by the way you're feeling and the way you're looking, someone else must have talked to you. By the way we're feeling and looking, we must have heard some other voice other than God because what God said was, Well, you know, uh, anybody here need a little money? No, 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 I'm not, I'm not doing the airplane turn. No, it's not going to go that way. You don't have to worry about it. We're not turning right here. I see anybody needs some money. How many of y'all need that lying spirit dealt with? How many of y'all need some money in here? You need God to pay them bills. You need God to buy them groceries. You need God to pay a doctor bill, the vet bill. You know, whatever it is you got, you need some money. It ain't no big problem to say you need money. If you don't need it today and you got children or grandchildren, you'll need it next week. The devil says, you ain't got no money. You're going to pay your bills. You're going to go under. They're going to take your car in the night. You sit up all night long and watch that driveway. Every car goes past. Make sure it ain't a tow truck. Hook, you know, hook your car and take it down the road because you ain't paid that bill in two months because you ain't had the money. It's not you just don't want to pay. You ain't got the money to pay. You need some money. You go in there and look in the refrigerator and the milk's spoiled and cheese has turned green and you got one piece of lunch meat left and you know, everybody in the house fighting not to take the last piece because you all got manners. You understand what I'm saying? Things like that. And so... 
you know, you little bit of son, you know, and Del you ain't got no money, you ain't got no food to eat, you ain't got no food to eat, you got it, but what God tell you? That he, did he say I will supply all your needs according to my riches and glory? Okay, but how come we don't look like that? How, how come we're not shouting and jumping because he's going to meet our, all our needs by his riches and glory? Instead, we've heard the devil say he ain't going to make it. You ain't got enough to feed. You ain't, you ain't got nothing. Who are you listening to? Who's the last one that you listen to? I, the devil's never going to quit shouting, Tim. He's never going to quit shouting. He's going to yell at you every day. He's going to get up in the middle of it. I don't care how bad you feel. I don't care how sick a person you're not going to be feel bad. You're going to feel sick. But I'm telling you, it doesn't make any difference. When you, when you are at your worst place, the devil will yell the loudest because he doesn't fight fair. But you know what? Nothing that the devil shouts changes that. Now, you got that right there in your hands. And you, no matter what the devil says, that's what the word, the word says different. Okay, now I'll get quicker now. I'll get quicker now. Maybe. Maybe not. Do you still have plans? Genesis chapter 3.11, the Lord said this. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commend you should not eat? The first thing the enemy wants to do is separate us from God. He wants to strip us, make us feel naked and alone. He wants to get us out in the middle and tell us how embarrassed we are and how bad it is. We've told this, that God's going to do this, and now we look like we're living the opposite. He wants to make us feel like that there's absolutely no hope and no help. He will strip you down until you're running from God in the garden. You're hiding yourself in the trees of the forest. You're running all because that you have heard a voice that is not the voice of God. All because you're listening to something that is not the voice of God. God got there first and He spoke the loudest and He spoke the most. And all He requires of you and I to do is obey what He's told us to do and remember that His voice said what we needed to hear first. Who told you that you were naked? I am concerned not so much that you know you're naked, not so much that you sewed fig leaves together, but that you hid yourself in the garden because you listened to a voice that was not my own. When you begin to operate in fear, you hide from God. Oh, you hear His voice in the garden, but you won't go out and sing. You're hiding in the trees because you've heard a voice that told you something different than God said, and you want to believe that voice. I'm here to tell you right now, the only voice I want to hear, I pray and begin to pray greater on a daily basis. God, let your voice be the only voice that I hear. God answered, then pick up my book and let it be the only thing that you see and the only thing that you hear. And when you get that in the middle of your life and you spend time with me in that, I will be the only voice that you hear. When the enemy says you've lost it, and he says that quite often, you've lost it. The Bible tells us, but of him you are in Christ Jesus. You can't take what God's given me. I ain't lost nothing. The devil says, you, you just, you know, somehow you just got God to, I, I don't know how you would have to, I, I don't know what you could do to get God to leave you alone. Especially since he put his word out and said, I'll be with you always even unto the end of the world. Yet the devil will convince people, well, I, I just must not, you know, I'm, no, I'm not a good Christian. I'm, oh, I'm not good at this, I'm not good at that. You know, the devil specializes in, in, in the I'm not good at category. He will tell you every day what you're not good at. You're not good at being a husband. You're not good at being a father. You're not good at being a preacher. You're not, you ain't even good at being human. You'd make a better monkey. I've seen dogs with more sense. A fired angel. 
He couldn't even keep his job as an angel. I'm going to come tell you what's messed up in your life. He wasn't nothing but the grand butler in heaven. Couldn't keep it together. He's going to come tell you how bad you've done. You need to look back at him and say, well, you know what? You just glorified butler in heaven couldn't keep your job. But one of these days, I'm going I'm to walk up there and live where you left. I wouldn't even care if the mansion I live in is the one he cleaned up after you left. That'd be all right. I ain't stupid enough to lose what you did. Huh? When the devil tells you you've lost it, 1 Corinthians 1.30 tells us, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Whose word are you going to believe? I haven't lost anything, devil. I still got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. I still got a savior and you don't have one. I got a home up there. You lost yours. I can walk in the hot coals and lift my hands and raise the praise of the earth to God. Oh, I forgot that was your job. You gave it up. God kicked you out. And now I'm doing it. Thank you. It's good. The pay's good. The, the benefits are great. Oh, I forgot. You don't have it. You need to put it back on him. I ain't lost nothing. You lost it. Well, you know, the enemy will tell you you're bound. You can't get free. You know, your daddy was a, you know, your daddy was a so-and-so, whatever last name it is, and your granddaddy was, and they never did have a pot to pee in or a window to pour it out of, and, uh, you know, they never had nothing. You know, these poor as this and poor as that, and it's just your family. It's going to be poor all your life. You know, the people by that name, they just poor all their life. Ain't got nothing, you know. You know, there's poor, there's poor Gates, and then there's Bill Gates. Huh? I said, there's poor Gates. There's Gates out there. It's lower than a snake's belly. They reach up across. You feel a snake crawling across them. But then there's Bill Gates. Huh? There's hell's gates and then there's heaven's gates. Amen? Now I want you to know that I belong to the heaven side of all of it. When the devil tells you that you'll never get out of where you are, you'll never overcome your name, you'll never overcome my God. Everybody, everybody in Teleco's poor. I mean, you know, look at this place. We ain't got nothing, ain't good, good restaurants, ain't nothing stays open. Well, I know God knows all that, but he puts you here. Huh? Right? Don't start associating with what's around you and your associate. God has made you who you are. The devil will tell you you can't never get free. You're going to be poor all your life. You never have a good job. Never have things you need to do. All the things that, you know, you're bound. You can't get out. You can't get up. You know, your family's always been sick. I, oh, oh, God help us. If you do go to a doctor, they got a form about that long, about three pages thick. What did your mama have? What did your daddy have? What did your great-grandma have? Any of your relatives? Did your mama have this? Do your sisters have this? You better get the PPV and the HPV and the ZZZ. And the, we're going to give you this injection and that injection just in case. Somebody in your family had this, that, and other. You know what I do? I tell them, nope, nope. Mom never had nothing like that. Dad never, nope, nope. Not as far as I know. Have you ever had this? Have you ever suffered seizures? I don't know, Doc, whether I have or not. But anyhow, I don't know what I'm going to try to tell you. 
whether I've suffered any sin. I always tell them no. And then, you know, about halfway through that list, they start catching on that you ain't going to tell them, you know, what they consider to be the truth. I am not going to sit here and confess to you that I got this disease and that disease and my mama had it and my grandma had it. I don't care what my mama had. I got saved and Jesus gave me a blood transfusion. I don't care what my grandma had my grandpa had. Jesus said that I got his blood. Now, I know, I know. And some of you just, you waller in it. Oh, God, you just get down and you're like a pig in a sop in the mud. Oh, mama had it. I reckon daddy had lumbago. My back's been hurt and believe I got some of her too. No, you don't. I ain't got no lumbago. I'll take a Winnebago, travel down the road. My daddy never did spend no time in Florida snowboarding. I'd like to get in a Winnebago, get rid of the lumbago, and go down to Florida and spend some time at the villages. The only village, some of y'all know, is village people. We ain't going to talk about that today because that's offensive. When the devil tells you you're just, you're afflicted, you know. You forgot, let me say something. You're the kind of person that the first thing that comes out of your mouth when someone says they're feeling bad, you, you give them a, a brand name medication to take. Your God ain't big enough. Now, let me tell you something right here, right now. There was a man by the name of Asa in the Bible. He was a king in the Old Testament. And, and, and he was ruling Israel. And the Bible says he did good all days of his life. And, and whatever it was that he did, God would bless him. And God would prosper him. He, God built him armies. He defeated armies that were way bigger than him. He kept, the, he kept the kingdom in Asa's hand, even though everything was against him all the time. And he said Asa was a good man. But then the Bible says it come down to a place that Asa got a disease in his feet. I believe he probably was a football season, probably a football player, been walking around in the shower room, got him a case of athlete's feet. I don't know what happened. But he probably played. What's your favorite team? Okay, so he probably played for, you know, Syracuse, whatever, because they got a filthy shower room. He got him a case of athlete's feet and everything like that. But you see, every day of his life, anything that happened in his life, he sought God for. But the Bible says when Asa got diseased in his feet, probably just athlete's feet, he did not seek God first, but went to the doctors first. And the Bible said God got displeased with him because he sought the doctor's advice before he sought God's advice. And the Bible said that King Asa died with a disease in his feet and was buried with his fathers because he chose to choose man's advice before he chose to choose God's advice. God gets ticked off when you hear any other voice than his. When the devil tells you that you're bound up and you're afflicted, oh... You know, get up in the morning with a headache. Jesus, I don't know what's going on, man. Whoo, thank you. Just someone says, hold on, just I got over here for you. Let me get in my bag and get you some pills out. What is that for? They might be giving you pampering. You don't know what you're taking, man. It might help your headache, but you ain't got no bloating. Or, or maybe you do. When the devil tells you that you're bound up, this is what the Word of God says. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of all of them. Amen. But the righteous are not supposed to be afflicted. But the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. You've got a devil out there poking you, prodding you. I spent 14 years on medication that's not addictive. 
We're going to give you this kind of medication for your back, this, that, and the other. Don't worry. You can't get addicted to it. It's non-habit forming. Then can I tell you after 14 years, everything is habit forming? I found out about 15 years ago that I was a drug addict, standing up in front of the people of God, preaching the Word of God to them. No, I wasn't taking crack, and I wasn't, you know, freebasing, you know, heroin or cocaine or whatever in the heck you do with that stuff, you know, and all that. But, but I was addicted to pain medication, didn't know it till I decided one day, you know, God, you're going to have to heal me, and I'm going to have to come off this medication. I put down that non-addictive pain medication and found out that I was addicted to it. Went to the doctor and he said, I can't help you. I can't help you get off of it. You know, we've got insurance guidelines and, you know, this is a comp situation and you've got to take this medication and, you know, this is the only way that we're keeping it. I said, I want this thing out of my life. And I finally found a doctor who would help me to get off of it. Can I tell you, it took him 18 months to get me off 14 years of medication. That's why I'm real careful right now. that I, I'm careful what I take. If I take a Tylenol, I just take one of them. Now I make sure that I need it. I prayed first. Now I get ashamed sometimes if I have to take Tylenol because I ain't believe God for it. And I'm not telling you there's anything wrong with medicine. I'm not telling you there's anything wrong with doctors or anything else because I believe in them and all that. But I'm telling you your first resort ought to be to God. You ought to pray, for, pray about it before you, you ought to give God a chance to talk and speak about your situation before you let anybody else speak into your life. And you remember this, and I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it if they throw me out and stone me over. Doctors do not get paid to tell you you are well. I've got doctors that are friends. They'll tell you the same thing. There's no money in telling someone they're well. So they're going to look and look. Let's look again. Whoop. You just like looking at me, don't you? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of all of them. How many, we, we established earlier in the revival how many all is. What is all? All. So any affliction, Miss Charity, Jesus delivers you out of all of them. There's none that can stay. The enemy tell you you're sick. He tell you you're dying. He told me I was dying. Calls me to see something. I did finally go to a, a friend of mine who was... <laughs> Who actually was a she was a, a, a registered nurse, nurse practitioner in our church. I got you know for all this stuff I crack out about medicine. We we're, we're top heavy on nurses in the church. We got nurses and of every kind and sort in our church. But I, I make sure they stay strong. You know the medical profession will ruin your faith if you let it. I get good strong nurses, and so I was telling them as I was getting all the way down. Getting all the way down in this problem, and I was telling about this big fear that came out of my life, and how I bent back over, and this big old lump came up. She said, did you ever consider that with just your stomach? <laughs> I said, well, no, it was about this big around, and it was right here. And she said, can you, and, I, and she said, that's your stomach. That ain't no tumor. That's the thing's making you live. I'm getting down every night praying over my stomach saying, God, take it away. God, take it away. Lord, take this big old... He said, that's your belly, boy. That's your stomach. That's what she said. She said, did you ever consider, you bonehead? She said, you ought to stay up behind the desk and preach the Word and leave the medicine and the anatomy and the biology to me. She said, that was your stomach all along. 
Do you know how intelligent God is when he's got a child saying, God, take away my stomach, not take away my fat, take away my stomach. I, I saw it. Aren't you glad God don't answer every prayer? I'd hate going to the doctor and him and say, boy, I don't know what happened. You ain't got no stomach. I'd have looked at him and say, bless God, God answers prayers. I've been praying over that thing. God took my stomach. I don't know what was there. I have no idea what was there. I don't know what was there, what wasn't there. But I can't tell you this. I got a stomach and it eats well and does good. And I have to really watch over. But I got so embarrassed when this. she looked at me. She just got a little girl. She wondered. She said, did you ever consider that was your stomach? I said, well, no, I didn't. You know it was a tumor or something. Devil will tell you you're going to die. And if you listen to him, you'll run around scared and afraid and afflicted, acting like you're dying. You'll start losing weight unexplainably. You'll start gaining weight unexplainably. You'll have all kinds of problems. You'll feel bad, can't even crawl along in life. Things are going on. Oh, I know there are things that afflict people's lives and genuine healing needs to take place. But most of the things that happen in our life is fear, false evidence, appearing real. It don't even belong in our life. But Jesus said, by his stripes, we're healed. He said, thou shalt live and not die. Declare the works of the Lord. I don't have to go nowhere. With long life, he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. That's part of that Psalm 91 you talk about all the time too. By God, he said, with long life. With long life. So whose voice are you listening to? The devil ain't got nothing but death to give you. He ain't got nothing but sickness to give you. He's got nothing but defeat to give you. That's, he's all about that. The problem is that Timmy's going to make sure that you're the last voice that he's heard. God is not fighting with the devil to be the last voice that you've heard. He wants you to remember he's the first voice you heard. And he doesn't need to repeat himself. It's right there. You can pick it up anytime you want and see what God said first. And if you'll stand on that, you'll never be defeated. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. I am not a liar. I did preach longer than I should have, but I am not a liar. I did not physically intend to lie to you, tell you I was going to take seven or eight minutes or ten minutes, whatever it was when we started out, and then go longer than that. But I did allude to you in that conversation, if you're an intelligent being, that I was not intending to stick to those numbers. The only thing that I care about today is that we hear his voice. We hear it loud and strong. We go back to what he has said. When I look at, at people like you, and I look at people like myself, and I look like people like Miss Kim Dyer, I try to go back to what God has said about them. God said they're going to affect the world. They're going to have a testimony that's going to turn people's lives around. Well, you know what? The Bible says the dead can't praise you. It said the grave will bring you no glory. So if God has told people that they're going to do something, they've not done it yet, then that's the last thing God said. And everything else we're hearing or seeing, that ain't God's voice. I'm not going to listen to what the devil says. Well, but it's so real. I did not say that it wasn't real. I did not say that it didn't appear real. But you have to understand that God transcends reality. What you and I observe as reality is temporal. The Bible says the things that are seen are temporal or temporary. 
But the things that are unseen, they're eternal. Whatever it is that God has told you is eternal. Whatever that you need in your life, that's eternal. God's already spoke it first. Well, but Bishop, you know, we've seen people and, man, it just didn't always turn out that way. Well, you know, that's not my problem. That doesn't change the Word of God. Well, but it looks like it's over. Is there life? Is there breath? Is God still God? Then there's always faith, hope, and charity. We'll say love so there is no confusion. Faith, hope, and charity, and there is no gray area. No pun intended. If you can't laugh in church, why would you come? If you can't hear the seriousness of the Word of God and not have joy while it's expressed, why would you want to be here? We get so heavy, we're crying, we're weeping, tragically stirred, properly so. But don't get too heavy in that. Because He gives us joy. He gives us peace. There has been a peace invade this place every time we've come through the door. I feel that again. I feel that again in my, in my spirit. I feel God building in my body. He's, he, he's already done something in my life and in my ministry in this revival. I've come here to minister and God's given me something. Move this back. Move this back. Yeah, just move it back. What we've been doing is, is don't tear things up, just move it back. Thank you. What we've been doing is just praying for folk, and God's been speaking to some people, and I don't know, there's something about this day or something about this 20th service. And looking forward to the 21st service. It's going to be coming up in, in just a few hours. Or something exciting about it. And God has already to listen. We've been in His presence today. We've heard rich word from God today. But I want to ask, what's the last thing you heard from God? Now, if you're here this morning and you don't know Him, there's a possibility that there's somebody here this morning that is unsaved, that doesn't know Him. You've never asked the Lord to be the Savior and the Lord of your life. Quite honestly, the only thing you've heard the Lord say is, Come unto me. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And if you don't know the Lord, that's the last thing that he said to you. It's the first thing that he said to you, and he's still saying it right now. His call is for you to come if you want Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. So if you're here today and you don't know Him, you've never invited Him in, or, or maybe you know you've just grown cold in your experience, you've walked away from where you belong in God, and, and you know that God's calling you back into that deep and rich walk with Him, that's okay. And remember, his, his voice was, just come on home. Come home, it's supper time. You understand what I mean? Come on in. It's okay. He'll forgive. He'll heal. And if you've known Him, His blood's still there. You can't wash it off. You can't dirty it off. You can't do anything about it. The only thing you can do is accept it and allow it to wash over you again. But He is a cleanser and a healer. So is there anybody here right now? You know, I don't feel like getting on the floor and hiding everybody's eyes so nobody knows about it. If you, if you want to accept Jesus, you ought to accept Him openly. If you come to Him, you ought to come to Him openly. 
He, he never did call anybody privately. He called them to the forefront. And so, you know what? Sometimes we make getting saved a, a thing of shame. There's no shame in accepting Christ as your Savior. It's a proud thing that ought to cause the saints to rejoice. I'll tell you what, He causes heaven to rejoice. It's a shame when He causes heaven more rejoicing than it causes us. Is there anybody here right now that says, I want Jesus to be the Savior of my life? Today's the day that I want to call on Him. I don't know. See, I know, I know a lot of you. I'd be surprised if some of you come up. That's all right. I'd pray with you like an idiot, just like anybody else. You know, I would do that because I hear I thought. But you know what? I don't know everybody here today. So, and I really don't know what's really going on in your heart. Only God can know. So one more time, I'm going to offer. If you're here and you want Jesus, I'm going to listen. He requires you to do something. Get out of your seat. Come right down here and say, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. What we'll do is not look at you strangely. We'll celebrate with you. Amen? If that's not the case, and God's Word has spoken to your heart today, and maybe God has said something to you, caused you to look at something, kind of shaken you or awakened you in some way, and, 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 and you want God to begin to do something in your life in a greater measure than you've ever known, maybe you've been listening to the wrong voice. Maybe you've just been so overcome with what we see. It's easy to do. We're just human. It's so easy to hear it, to see it, but it's not what God said. But it's easy to hear that voice, Tim. It's easy to, it's easy to hear the devil shouting, and he makes everything so real, and he backs it up, brother. But then we act like God hasn't backed up his word. Maybe you're here today, and you've been listening to the wrong voice. You've got yourself over in fear, which is counterproductive to faith. You've got yourself over into doubt. You've got yourself over into unbelief. Maybe you've got a root of bitterness growing up in your heart. If there's anything at all that God has spoken to you about today, He requires you to make a move, to make it known. If God has spoken to your heart, why don't you just come stand in the front with us. Just come down here and stand in the front with us, whatever the reason might be. And we're going to pray and we're going to let you go home. But if God has spoken to your heart about anything that you need, that you want, you need to hear His voice louder than the other voices you've been hearing. You need for God to change things in your life. I just want you to move out and come stand with us and let's pray together. I'm going to give another minute and if that's not the case, no one needs anything, then we'll just close up shop and go home until tonight see what God will do. But the Word of God is true nonetheless. Amen? And those things that He has spoken to our heart and spoken to our life, why? He's going to give it to us. Amen? He's going to give it to us. I'll wait about another 30 seconds. Thank you. I do need that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Young man, what do you need? You've accepted him? You've never accepted him? You want Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life? Would you pray with me if I lead you in a prayer? Would you get me my Bible, please?
Take my hand, son. Your name is Jason. Congratulations, Jason. When you moved out of that seat, you need to hear this. When you moved out of that seat, Jesus Christ saved your soul. And on your way to the front of this church, every sin you ever committed has been remitted and gone, and his blood has cleansed you. But we're going to pray because you need to pray. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I come to you with everything that I have. All of my sin, all of my wickedness, all of my evil ways, and I give them to you. I repent of them. By that I mean I turn from them and I turn to you, Jesus. Right now, I accept you, Jesus Christ, the Son of God as the Lord and Savior of my life. From this day forward, I receive the blood of Jesus Christ. And by His Word, in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, says that if I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, I shall be saved from this day for the rest of eternity. I declare by the cross of Christ, by the blood of Christ, I am saved. Thank you, Jesus, for saving this young man. God, right now as I pray for him, your blood is availed. He's saved. His sins are gone. His life is blessed. Thank you for what you've done, Lord. Congratulations, sir. I rejoice with you. You look better already. You feel real good, don't you? It's good. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> the revival continues. Is there anybody else? Come on, sometimes we move too quick. I know it's late. I know we spend, but sometimes we move too quick. Man, you got me excited. Did you ever figure that you'd come and get some? No, but he was working on that heart. I live in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> God bless you. Everything good? Yeah. Things are about to change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> God's going to touch your body. Yeah, he he's delivered you. He's given you great healing, but he's about to touch your body. He's gonna, listen, you're going to hear some things. Don't believe everything you hear. Let him help you. But Jesus has undertaken to take care of your body, to heal you. And he's answered a lot of prayers already. Amen. God bless you. So good that you're here. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Harold. God, in the name of Jesus, as I come right now, Lord, for my brother Harold, I know how difficult it is. But God, what he asks is that he'd be able to stand and hear only your voice 
even in the face of the greatest trial that they have seen to this point. I plead your blood upon him and grant in the name of Jesus and grant in the name of Jesus that he be strengthened with all might in the spirit man, in the inner man, that he be able to stand by the word of God and the power of God. Let him walk in this victory. Let us see this miracle. And God, let us believe your word and hear only your voice. He is your child in Jesus' name. I can't say enough. I am so thankful for you, young man. I, I can't express how thankful I am to God. He's changed everything for you today. Life is all brand new. You're a new creature. You're a brand new creation in the Word of God. You're a brand new creation in the kingdom. There's not a sin on your account. God has no controversy with you. You are secure in Jesus Christ forever. Live for Him. Learn His Word. Attend the church that He leads you to. Even this one. I know it's a long way, but it's a good church. Serve Him with everything you've got. He's worth it. And what He told you today is you're worth it. He paid that price for you. Congratulations. God bless you. Welcome to the family of God. You need to go tell people that there's a revival going on at Monroe County Christian Center right here in Teleco Plains. And that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank Him for what He's done. Thank Him for salvation today. Hear me. You've got to hear this this morning. It's Jason, right? What he just did for Jason, what he's done for you and me is greater than what Kim needs. If he can do that for this young man, and I believe he's a good man. He didn't come in a bad man. He came in a good man. He just need, you know, you just, you got to be saved. Don't, no matter how good you are, you got to be saved. He's saved. Amen. Think about it. We're all sitting here thinking, my God, I got mashed potatoes, roast beef waiting somewhere, or steak, baked potato. They're still rejoicing in heaven Amen. over Jason right now. They ain't going to stop. They're just going to keep right on going. Amen. We come back in tonight, we'll notice they're still shouting over, over one soul yeah. that comes in. Amen. But you've got to hear this. That's the greatest miracle that can happen on the face of this earth. Amen. Yeah. And if he did that, he's over in Miraville right now with his hand on the next miracle that's going to be done. Do you hear me? Why would he do one and not do the other? Woo! Come on. God help us. You need to go tell somebody. You go tell somebody. You get the opportunity to be involved in Service 21, and we don't even know what God's going to do, and we're just getting started, so come on out. God bless you. Does anyone else need to say, Will, any Zach, who's going to, you need to, we're done? The baby is still in her uterine. They took it out last night. Okay. Okay. Pray for that need. Well, since it was turned over without fanfare, they just 
all walked away and mic'd me up, let me know it was time to come. I'm not typically the person who would close out this church, but I guess I've been here long enough to be part of the staff, so I just want you to come back out tonight. <laughs> Service at 6 o'clock, come expecting. Rejoice with this. Rejoice, you don't. We need to rejoice with Jason. We need to rejoice with heaven. Go and have a great day. We'll see you tonight. God bless you as you go.